So glad you're choosing to spend Father's Day with us and uh, excited to be in God's Word. We've been working through, as you know, the book of Ephesians for quite a while, and I found it very fitting that the text that we are landing on this morning actually applies to parenting. And so we've been, uh, as you know, talking through this series and looking at kind of our response to our new identity as sons and daughters of God being exposed, and a lot of that has had to do with being led by the Holy Spirit. And last week we talked about what that meant for the the marriage and the home, and now this week what that looks like for our kids. And uh, I would would suggest that we have a decent amount of work uh, ahead of us if we're uh, parenting and raising our kids. In fact, I was reading this week an, an article that was put out by the Minnesota Crime Commission as they were trying to identify reasons for crime. And if this is true in Minnesota, then probably relevant today. Look at this uh, quote from the uh, state-run crime commission. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy, his uncle's watch or whatever. Deny him these and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. It continues on saying, he's dirty, he has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each one, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, or rapist. Woo! That's pretty intense assessment of kids. Uh, independent of influence. You maybe caught that, what it said there, if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy. Well, it's our job as parents to make sure that they don't continue in that direction. And so this morning we have a message called Kid Shaping, and I put that picture there because we've all met that kid before at some point in our life. But looking in this text, and you think about it, kids obviously, it doesn't take long to identify that they're born with a sin nature, but then we're also born into an environment that's tugging them the opposite direction of where we're trying to push them. I love the text in Leviticus where God commands Moses, you might not be familiar with this one, he says this to Moses, he says, you shall not do as they do. In the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do what they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. So our job is not just shaping them from their broken introduction into the world. It's also shaping them to live differently, to be set apart, to be be holy and, and pure before Almighty God. I would suggest... We have a lot of work on this, and now I know some people are in this room and they're like, uh, I'm not a parent and, uh, or I'm done with parenting, but if you think about this, it relates to all of us because you either, one, like I mentioned, are a parent, you have a parent, you interact with parents, or have seen a kid at Target act up that you wanted to parent. One of those is applicable for each of us, and if you take this to the bigger picture, if you, if you look at it from the above view, isn't this whole idea of parenting with the intended result of a child that's obedient, which then ultimately becomes what? An adult that's obedient. 
an adult that's obedient and is submitted to the Lord. So all of this comes full circle and applies to each of us. Let me pray as we dive into this text. God, thank you for this chance to be together in your house and even to celebrate you through song. I ask that you've been glorified in all of that. We ask now that you'd speak to us through this text, that you would bring it uh, to, to life for us, that you allow us to put all of the distractions of our week and different things going on on the shelf, and we'd actually engage with your word to us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, chapter 6 in Ephesians is where we're at. If you, don't, uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to keep that one. This is the chapter 6 we're starting with, and I would suggest this might possibly be Father's favorite verse in the Bible. It starts with this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I could just leave right now, and many dads would be fully happy with that directive. Dads, this was in honor of you for Father's Day, but here's a couple ideas to present as we're breaking this text down. First, the word children that's presented there, I found this interesting. It's the word techna in the original text, and then it's not talking about children of a specific age, but of all ages. Very controversial there, so it's relevant for really whatever stage a child is in. But to keep it in context with last week's text, it did point to the fact that at some point when a, a, a man and a woman leave and, and start a family together, you might suggest that that's the point where they're no longer underneath the leadership of their, their parents as they become one flesh. It's known in our culture as the roof rule. As long as you're under my roof, you obey my commands. That's many uh, parent has had to say that, and there's some uh, debate over whether uh, it's a physical roof or whether it's a, a financial roof. You guys can discuss that uh, over lunch. The financial roof is the idea, as long as I'm still paying the bills, you know, this, this is relevant for those of you with children off at college. You might have uh, applied this. You can discuss that over lunch today as you pay the bill for your children. Uh, so this starts with a directive to children. They're told to what? It's pretty clear, to obey, to obey. The word obey there means to hear under or involves listening intently and responding positively to what is heard. It's not just the fact that they hear, is that, that, that's not where you define success. You define success and when they actually do what they're told, right? Any parents attest to this? That's, that's the, uh, you, you don't want to be the ostrich parent with your head in the sand thinking that, you know what, but my, my child, they have, they have such a good heart. I know they don't ever obey, and I have, they know they have a rap sheet a mile long, but, but man, they have a good heart. No, obedience is key. There has to be actions that align with heart. That's what he's calling us to. That's the litmus test as to whether or not the standards of your home are actually taking root. It's not whether or not they have a good heart. It's whether or not they are obeying. The caveat we always bring up whenever we're talking about obedience is this, is that it has to be within the confines of Scripture. You're not asking them to do something that opposes Scripture. Kids, if you're in the room, you can say no if that's the case, uh, but it better be clearly found in Scripture. Uh, but, but here's the, the idea, because it depends, it matters what, is being, what the instructions are. If it's not complementing what Scripture teaches, that's then up for uh, debate and even uh, to oppose. I was at 
Six Flags this last week celebrating the kids getting out of school. And uh, it's so funny, our culture, they, everything has a graduation, kindergarten graduation, fifth grade graduation. You're like, what is this? Uh, I feel like we wait until they graduate college, then we honor them. Okay, but anyway... Uh, on a different note, sorry, went on a tangent. I was at Six Flags, and uh, I saw, this was crazy, so a lot of times my kids will all want to stop in the gift shop and propose things that I should buy for them. So what I've learned, maybe dads, you've learned this, is I don't even go in. I just wait outside, because they, they know the answer. If I'm outside, I'm like, no, I'm not going in there and buying that. We're, we're, we're not doing that. So I wait outside. Well, I was watching in the, the outside of this gift shop, this little kid come running out with their hands full of all of their to- these toys, and, and, and the mom running after them is like maybe a, a nine-year-old, eight-year-old, and the mom's saying, stop, 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 we haven't paid for any of that. You're like, you're going to get in trouble. And you see the mom pause to see if any alarms are going off, and when no alarms went off, they both disappeared into the crowd with this handful of a ton of toys. I was like, so... The instruction needs to be, what does the text say? In the Lord. It needs to be in the Lord. It needs to be directed from a biblical source. It's not just any direction. It's biblical direction is key. So here, in the Lord, and really that answers the question that every kid asks. What does it say? For this is right. What does a a kid typically ask the parent? Mom, Dad. Why do I have to do that? Anybody have to deal with that with your kids? Why? Well, what do we as fathers typically say? Because I, okay, clearly some people have said that before in their parenting skills, but here we have a better response, a better response. Not because I said so, because God said so. Yes, it's even bigger than me. Like it's huge. Like God is telling kids to be obedient to parents. This is the system that he put in place that we as parents would stand between the gap between God and them and help them navigate what it looks like to obey. So when they're obedient to us, in fact, they're being obedient to God. It's what he's established is how this is supposed to work. If you go outside of the boundaries, it just doesn't seem to work right. My family has made the mistake of making purchases at Ikea before, and uh, you, if you get them home and it's in one box, and uh, every once in a while, I'll decide to blaze my own trail and try to figure that thing out myself without their Swiss directions, and guess where that ends me? With lots of leftover parts and something that doesn't work very well. But you see, the key is you got to stick with the program. When he's established, when the guy, when the uh, Mr. Ikea makes these things in his, in his whatever shop, like he's coming up with those, he's got a plan in place. You either follow the, follow the plan or you butcher it. The same is true here. Children, obey your parents. This is right. I wanted to end this little section with one little uh, reminder for us because a lot of times parents will be like, yeah, that sounds great, but my kids don't obey. My kids don't listen to me. I tell them to do stuff. They kind of ignore me or do their own. But here's the thing. What happens when a sports team is doing really poorly? Who gets fired? Coach gets fired, right? Coach gets fired. We as parents have to take responsibility for our children's obedience. We have to take responsibility for implementing a system within our home where obedience actually happens. That's our responsible as coach within the family. So 
So that's the charge, obedience. And he has a second piece to it. You see it there in verse 2. So a call to obey and also honor your father and mother. Obey relates to actions. Now honor has to do with attitudes. Anybody feel and sense that even in your own home? It's one thing to get them to do it. It's another thing to get them to do it with a happy, compliant heart, right? That is what I would suggest is the hard part. But again, that's what we're called to, raising children with the right attitudes and with the right heart behind it. But we're fighting a culture that is sending the message that parents are obsolete and waiting to just be something to be dealt with. At some point, you'll be done with dealing with their ignorance. If I watch one more Disney show or sitcom that presents a dad as a moron, I'm going to jump through the screen and punch somebody. There's violence from your pastor. But here's, here, here's, here's the, the, the thing, that, the reason I bring that up. Like he, He's calling us to, for, for them to honor because we are called to be honorable. We want to live a life that's worthy of honor. A life that's above reproach, something that's worth them uh, directing their honor to us. He calls us to that. It's not just a suggestion. It actually, the reason it's in quotes is because it's found in where? The Ten Commandments. It made God's top ten list. This was a really big deal. He's quoting the Old Testament and saying that it comes along with a promise attached to it, benefits. Look at it as it continues. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Two simple parts there. There's a promise that says, man, if you do this, it will go well with you. That's, that's the idea of the quality of life. The idea that if you obey your parents, you will miss some of the potholes that they accidentally stepped in on their, in their upbringing, right? Parents, don't you feel like that when you're trying to communicate to your kids? You're just like, Oh, I'm telling you this because I know I've experienced this. That's what he calls us to. Similar, all of this, I want to cause pause and have us keep going back to our loving Heavenly Father as we're trying to relate maybe people that aren't parenting right now. What does he call us to? He calls us to obey him because he knows better than we do. Similarly here, he gives, it says that it's going to go well with you and that you'll live long. I was reading all different kind of commentaries to be like, well, what does that actually mean? What's the Greek on that? What's the, what's the hidden meaning there? Guess what it actually means? You live long. I don't know how else to interpret it. That's what he's saying. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't die sooner because of your disobedience. I don't know. What you live your full life out. I'm not sure exactly, but that's the promise that's attached to it is you'll skip a lot of, a, a lot of heartache by missing the things your parents have learned from and you will live long. Those are the promises that are attached to honor and obedience. Then it moves to some directives for us as parents. Fathers, look at this first word here. Who's he talking to? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So he does address it to fathers, but it actually uses the word pateras, which in other places in Scripture is actually used to refer to both parents. Well, I'd lean towards that interpretation. It's a charge for both parents not to provoke their children. This idea of provoking was a completely new concept in that culture. You see, under Roman rule, they had a thing that was called uh, patria potestis, which means power of a father. 
Basically, it was like a father dictatorship within the home. The children did exactly what the father said. The reason why is because the father had complete authority over the child at that point, even to the point of determining their life. They were, they were allowed to sell them as slaves, cast them out, or kill them based on disobedience. Whew! Can you imagine if you had that weight over you? So these, par- these parents aren't thinking, well, if the kid wants to obey, I want to make sure I don't want to provoke him. They're like, no, I'm going to sell him if he doesn't obey. So, so in, this, in this culture, it was, it was, this was, these were new ideas being presented, this idea of don't provoke. But if you think about it, just from a, a practical standpoint, like just think through it logically with me. If you provoke your child towards anger, what are the chances of them continuing to follow your parameters once those parameters, once they're outside of your home, once the fences have been lifted up? Are you kidding me? Like that, That's not going to happen. Those of you that have been provoked before, you know, what does that move you to? You're like, forget this, man. I'm just counting down the days until the fence is lifted. And then guess what? I'm done with your rules. I'm done with your ideas, your plan. So that's the challenge that he calls us to. Do not provoke your kids to anger. Trying to formulate a a list of some different things that we do to provoke our kids to anger. You could probably come up with your own list. I, I jotted down a couple of them. Ways we can provoke. First one, maybe you're, uh, like me, guilty of this. Too tough, too tough with our kids. Either yelling or harsh or easily angered, losing your temper. These are things that have the potential to what? Provoke your kids. Make them bitter. Make them want to oppose you at every angle. Too tough, not affirming. I think that's a big one. Not ever affirming, never looking for opportunity to uh, affirm or encourage. You're constantly looking things to point out where they're blowing it, but never celebrating it when they get it right. That's what we have to be so cautious. We need to be on the hunt for things to celebrate that they're doing well at. I'm going to catch them doing right. Like a bank account needs to be deposits and withdrawals. How about this one? Another way that we provoke our kids is being overly restrictive. I don't know if you have a home like that that you've fostered where there's just so many rules, and if you were to ask, why is that rule there? You'd be like, I don't know. It's just the rule we've always had. If you can't answer the reason why, maybe the rule shouldn't be there. That's a good way to provoke your child. A a near cousin to that is overly restrictive. Also, overly protective. Well-meaning parents are very vulnerable to this, being overly protected, trying to keep their kids from experiencing anything with the potential of harm. But how do we often learn the best? By messing up, right? We, we don't want to create an environment. We want to create a, a, an environment that sharpens their ability to resist, that sharpens their ability to survive. We have to be careful of not keeping our kids at home in overalls with no decisions to be made. You want to, nobody caught that. Okay, so overly protective. How about this one? Achievement focus. I think that's a big one in this culture where we put undue pressure to pursue uh, achievement beyond just reasonable bounds. We don't think through it. We're, we're so concerned about pushing 
our children to achieve and meet their full potential instead of being concerned about their character, their achievements rather than their character developing uh, or maximizing their performance rather than shaping them into the likeness of Christ. All of these things have the potential to foster an environment where rebellion takes place. This is words from Scripture. He's tried to keep it simple, tried to keep it concise. Don't do things to provoke your children's anger. Puts all of these in mind. But the alternative, he says instead, he says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up carries this idea of nourishing and cherishing. It's the idea of taking someone from one point to another. It's a moving them along I feel like that's the majority of our parenting is trying to move our kids from point A to point B. And look at the ways, what does it say in the text? How do you do that? Discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. What is discipline? Discipline, we all know what that means. The idea is consequences when you go outside of the parameters that have been established. In a, in, a, in a culture that's fairly children-centric, we want to be so cautious when we talk about this because we don't want to do anything that damages our delicate little flowers. But if you think about it, discipline is key. That's what, that's what God does even with the, he says, out of love he disciplines his children. The same for us. We either get this discipline thing right or the society has a prison system to help with it later on in life. One way or another, they will be disciplined. I would much rather it be me putting the parameters in place. It's interesting, Stephanie uh, Ross, who works in the office here, was telling me a, a story this week as we were talking about discipline. She said that her dad, before she'd go out on a date with a guy, would tell him to say, he'd pull him aside and say, hey, I want you to have a, a fun night, but just know anything you do to her I will do to you later. He also would say, I'm, and I'm not afraid to go back to prison. And so, so, so words, words for parents uh, with, their, with their child's date, clear boundaries, clear consequences identified for both parties. This is a key for those of us that are disciplining our kids. So discipline's one part of it, and then instruction. Instruction. We want to be foster homes where where there's open conversation about everything. Because one way or another, our kids are going to learn from somewhere, right? They're either going to learn from Siri or they're going to learn from dad. saw this video this week. I just couldn't help uh, not passing on. It's a Gillette commercial that, uh, that pulls on the heartstrings a little bit. Take a quick peek. It relates to this. Oh, donc là, être père, c'est un, un défi. Alors, si perdre la technologie, nous... Aujourd'hui, tout se passe sur, sur Internet. Sur téléphone, communiquer avec ses amis. You know, they have the world at their fingertips. Do your kids come to you as much as you went to your dad? Um... Non. All right, come on in. So first up, I'm going to have you look up a few things on the internet. How do I tie a tie? Como preguntar una chica cuando salir? Hey. Como es qu'on se rase? How do I fry an egg? Ah.
Le bar a brûlé. Quel est ton couleur favorite? Now I'm going to have you ask your dad. Que t'as ça c'est un Qu'est-ce que tu fais? Le mirar se los ojos. Faut que tu fasses deux fois le tour. Avec ça, ça sera plus simple. Ça le gâteau perfect, non? Si? Tiene que tener presencia. Decime bien. Explicar lo que hay que hacer, ¿no? Son mal, ¿no? Voilà, premier rasage. So, which was better? The better teacher was my dad. Et mi papá. Était plus personnel sur. Les informations Savez ce que je ne comprends pas. Tes filles sont la chose la plus importante du monde. Et... Je voudrais remercier mon papa. Je te aime. Je te aime. Je te aime. Je te aime. I'm not going to fault any of you for crying at a Gillette commercial right now because I am guilty as well uh, for that. You get the idea that's presented there that it's something that's part of God's design. God designed us to be the ones that are passing it on to our children. It could have just as easily been a mom in that commercial. The picture is this. We were designed to pass on the one hope for following Jesus Christ for our children. Obviously, God can intervene. But the one design that he's put in place is for it to be passed on from one generation to the next. For us to take what we've known, what we've learned about following him and passing it on to the next generations. If parents don't raise their kids with kingdom values, their kids are going to get their values from somewhere else, the culture, the media, or their friends. I would rather have them ask dad. I'd rather have them ask dad. We're the hope for this. And it says that it's more than just shaving. We're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It should be on our tongues. It should be on the, 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 in, in our conversations. It should saturate all that we do within the family, this role of bringing them up. And like in Deuteronomy 6-7 in the Old Testament, they're called for how they instill God's word into their children. It says this, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other, way, in other words, it should permeate our homes. And kids long for it. Parents, if we get this right, man, it could be a beautiful thing. I want to end just with a couple thoughts on this. First off, a little encouragement for some of the parents maybe in this room that are like, yeah, I, I tried some of this and it, it didn't turn out real great. It didn't. Here's what I'd say is grace permeates this whole thing. When we blow it, here's what I'd suggest. Acknowledge. You know what? I didn't do so great. You know how many times I got to go to my kids and be like, man, I'm sorry. Dad was being an idiot. I shouldn't have done that. Like that, 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 those should be things that we're comfortable saying. And here's the other reminder is just because we've done it right doesn't guarantee that our kids are going to turn out perfectly. 
It's not a guarantee. Some people are like, Scott, but, but I've, I've read, I've read Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? You've heard that. But where is that found? It's found in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, the whole idea of a proverb is it's a statement about how life generally works. It's not a guaranteed promise. There's a difference between it. There's, it's generally, so if we implement these things, the likelihood of turning out kids that end up in the agape choir is high. Like that's going to be a strong possibility that they'll turn out all right, but it's no guarantee. It's no guarantee. I was listening to a, a pastor this week that was speaking on a similar topic, and he was saying, he's like, he's like, for parents to beat themselves up too much over this, look at Adam and Eve. They were placed in the perfect environment. They had the perfect father. They, had, they didn't have a sin nature. They weren't what Minnesota came up with. They, 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 were, they were brought in perfectly. They had all of these things perfect, and guess what? They still rebelled. They still went their own direction. You see, our responsibility is to take ownership of our part in this. We, we, we do our best. We try to raise them up. We try to establish a household where obedience and honor is expected. We try to intentionally avoid doing things to provoke our children to anger. But then ultimately, you know what we need to do best on this? It's be on our knees, asking God to work in our children's lives, to do the work that we can't do, that only the Spirit can do in a child's life. These are the parameters that he put in place for the family. And I would suggest they're good ones. They're good ones. They're with our best interest in mind. Let me pray for us as we conclude. God, I thank you so much for your word on this, that it's not my ideas or my suggestions up here, that it's literally you speaking to us through the Apostle Paul, specific words and challenges for us as parents. I pray that you would give us the strength to live this out, that you give us the, the grace for when we blow it, that you'd stretch us and grow us in this area. God, as children of yours, that we would get the obedience thing right, that we would grow in this, that it wouldn't just be for our kids, it would be for ourselves as we relate to you as a loving father. Thank you so much for your patience with us, God. We love you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Father's Day. Let's chase after this parenting thing if it's relevant. If you're not a parent, let's get this figured out between us and God. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.